In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. If we listen to the news on the radio or TV during the course of any given day, we will hear regular reports about the current value of the stock market. These reports are often delivered with the assumption that the Dow Jones average is the definitive gauge of the quality of our life and our hope for the future. I had an epiphany one day while driving and listening to one such report. There had been a sizable drop in the stock market that day. The report was delivered with a sense of gloom and the implication that we all ought to don sackcloth and ashes and mourn our loss of wealth until these things turned around. The epiphany was the realization that these were false implications. In fact, I realized all of the things that were really important in my life were unrelated to the report. Of course, the value of the stock market is related to the security of the jobs we have or a prospect of getting a job, and our ability to meet the needs of our families and plan for the future. These are all necessary things. We can't avoid paying some attention to them. However, the idea that money is the measure and goal of life is the very point Jesus warns about when he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus was not talking to rich people. The Bible gives plenty of exhortations about wealth. We should not put our trust in our money. We should be generous. We should realize that we brought nothing into this world, we can carry nothing out. <clears throat> but here Jesus is talking to the working class of his day, to people who were overcome with worry about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and what we shall wear. One does not have to have a lot of money to live life in service to mammon. The alternative Jesus offers is summed up with these words. Quote, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does this mean? At our Fullerton group last Wednesday, we discussed an article by Dorothy Sayers entitled, Why Work? You can find it online, and I commend it to your reading. Sayers highlights a problem with the way we look at work. We tend to think of work in terms of how much money we can make doing it. Sayers contends that we should instead pay attention to the work itself. When thinking about someone's job, we tend to ask, how much does he make? Sayers argues that we should focus more on the important question, what does he do? As the current economic crisis has revealed, it is possible to make a lot of money doing things that neither glorify God nor benefit our neighbor. This concern is related to our gospel. When Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, he means that we should be preoccupied with doing the things we do 
for the glory of God and the good of others. Money should be seen as a sort of byproduct. Our proper focus is on the work itself, on what we do and how we do it, not the money that comes from it. The early church actually had a list of prohibited occupations. One cannot be a Christian thief or a Christian prostitute. And there are other things that Christian ought not to do. And then there's the real danger of doing the right thing, but not doing it very well. This principle also applies to work for which there is no monetary reward. The great assault on the vocation of motherhood is fueled by false economic valuation. If our primary concern is, what does it pay, no one will be a mother. But if our primary concern is, what is the work intrinsically worth, we will see an increase in fertility. To be sure, there are economic realities involved in childbearing. However, if the vocation is intrinsically good and valuable, we ought to view the economic sacrifice as heroic, in contrast to the world, which sees it as foolish. This also has implications for the life of prayer. The thing that most keeps us from a faithful life of prayer is this lack of monetary value. To the world, prayer is a non-productive activity. If the world sees any value at all in prayer, it is that after we have withdrawn to pray, we will come back and be more productive people. Thus, we are always being pulled away from prayer by urgencies that have a clearer connection to what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and what we shall wear. However, we understand the intrinsic value of prayer as the central activity of a creature in relationship to the creator, as the fountain of grace that enables us to grow up into the image of Christ. Prayer will seldom be neglected. Prayer is related to vocation. Prayer brings us into that right relationship with God that enables us to discern our proper vocation and direct our energies to the more important things. The closer we are to God, the more attentive we are to the nature and quality of the work we do. God made the world and said, it is good. Those who are made in his image, who live life in communion with him, can never be content doing work that is not good. And those who live in communion with God and focus on the work itself and not the reward are also less anxious. When we are preoccupied with what we shall eat, drink, and wear, we must contend with a thousand doubts and obstacles to our security. What will I do if this or that thing happens? How can I ensure against all the possible contingencies of life in a fallen and crazy world? We are tempted to compromise and take shortcuts to guard against our fear of want.
We worry about things because we take upon ourselves the task of being God. But if we attend to the kingdom, first in prayer and worship, then in our work and service to others, we learn to trust God to take care of the rest. We learn to trust God to make all things work together for the good. For that is his proper work. There is a grand paradox in all of this. When we begin to value what is done for its own sake, when we do good work to the glory of God, and the goal is that, money is a byproduct and an afterthought, things begin to work better. We become more fulfilled and contented as people, and we do better work. Life actually works better when we live it in the manner that God intended. We live in a world in which service to mammon is deeply entrenched. Consequently, it is hard to seek first the kingdom. We can only do it with a concerted effort. We must begin with the confession that we have, in fact, served mammon. And with the prayer for grace to live in a different way. We continue with the decision day by day to value people, work, and time in terms of the kingdom and not in terms of the monetary value the world places on them. We are able to live in a new way because of faith, because we believe that God, who feeds the birds and clothes the flowers, will also feed, clothe, and provide for us if we concentrate on doing the things he calls us to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.